You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Today on the Online Choir Podcast, Michael Tulip is back. The start of a new season, and I think this is year three, year four for Mike, of doing weekly podcasts with us uh, to break down what he sees from Illinois. Uh, we are really looking forward to this year and uh, all the film rooms Mike Tulip does as well. Uh, VIP subscription is worth it just alone for Michael Tulip and Jay Layman's film breakdowns. So this week we broke down the final five, six minutes of the game on the film rooms. So check that out on the VIP side of things later this week. But uh, in this podcast today, Mike gives his thoughts on what he saw from Illinois against Kansas. What are some big takeaways? Does it change anything he saw? what he thought uh, or what he thinks about this team going into Big Ten play, gives his thoughts on the personnel, and gives his thoughts on what Brad Underwood did schematically. So uh, got to see a lot of Illinois the last couple days or last couple weeks with the two exhibition games. Michael Tua breaks down his thoughts on that. So that is coming up next right here on the Alana Enquirer podcast. This episode of the Alana Enquirer podcast is brought to you by BetterHelp. Give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash and get on your way to being your best self. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Well, therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of working against yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And if you and that therapist don't mesh, you can switch your therapist at any time for no additional charge. So make your brain your friend again and give BetterHelp a try. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Illini today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Illini. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
It's basketball season. That means Michael Tulip is back. Our Illini Choir basketball analyst for another season. And there's a little bit more excitement, Mike, after uh, Illinois beats number one Kansas in the exhibition. We'll get into that. We'll get into your thoughts on this season. But college basketball is right around the corner, man. It sneaks up on you, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Uh, You're so ingrained in in football. You especially with with all that you're doing with with the Enquirer. Um, But yeah. And now you have these exhibitions that are happening that are usually behind closed doors. But now they're out in the open. You can watch them on TV. It's a a great time of year, man. What do you make of that overall? I mean, these closed scrimmages, I get. Like, they they get a lot of value out of. You can stop. You can teach. You can have situations. Uh, But what do you think of it from a basketball perspective and then, like, as a basketball player, coach, and then from a a fan perspective? Well, I I think you can get a lot out of them. Um, felt pretty real, to be honest. I mean, take away the inability to foul out and all that. I think that skews some of your rotations. But from a macro level, it's just it's awesome seeing that quality of basketball. I could watch Michigan State and Tennessee, and then stay on my couch and watch Illinois and Kansas uh, in in October. That's pretty incredible. And and for like you said, for. For the fans that don't know, those those scrimmages that take place behind closed doors are much more broken down. Let's play a 20-minute segment. We'll mix in, hey, we'll do a zone segment. Hey, we'll do a press segment. Um, very broken down. But also, I think, too, as a player and a coach, you can really kind of see what you have um, in a real environment, right, with the place rocking a little bit. I mean, it looked like a, a really solid crowd, as expected, uh, on Sunday, um, but but I think it's going to become a trend. I think there's much um, less downside for for teams, and that's part of the reason why I think they're more willing to do it. Like, does Purdue travel to Arkansas? Right. If if you know if there isn't um, if it's not for charity, and there's not the downside of potentially dropping a a game in November or October, um, they probably don't. Does Kansas come to Illinois? Probably not. Because um, what you and I were talking before we even hopped on here is those those things just don't come together in a few months like it did for these exhibition games. Those home and homes, those I mean, those are years right. in advance. I always laugh with the football ones. It's like, <laughs> hey, 2032, you know, Mizzou's coming to Illinois or whatever, whatever it may be. And um, But I think, the, I think it's become more of a trend because, I, I you know, you always need a proof of concept – I think it was a great appetizer for for the season, and I, I hope it you know I, I hope it becomes a regular thing. So, Mike, did you watch that game? Illinois looked pretty good against what a lot of people think is a Final Four contender. Obviously, they're at home. Um, it's an it's an exhibition, not a real game. But what's your biggest takeaway uh, from Illinois' performance? Yeah, like I said, it felt more real than not. Um, and look, I, I don't want to say this and have it be like a sweeping generalization, but Illinois looked like the better team. And I know that Kansas has that the number one next to their name, but this is also an Illinois team that was probably going to be ready out of the box a little bit sooner than a Kansas team. And, and the, the biggest, I think, function of that is when it comes to cornerstones for each of those teams – you brought back Terrence Shannon and Coleman Hawkins and you have those cornerstones in place. 
And then all you really needed to do with that experience and those transfers that you brought in is have them kind of fill in those holes that were needed. And that that is a lot takes a lot less legwork than trying to incorporate a Hunter Dickinson to what you're doing. Because that's that's the distinction that I saw was one team looks like they had been doing it a little longer. I know there's new faces, but you have Terrence and Coleman. Um, and I get they have Dewan and, and Kevin McCuller too, right. but you're going to play through Hunter Dickinson. So that changes a lot of, of what you do and, and what Kansas looks like in October, I think is going to be a lot different than what Kansas looks like in March, but, um, but still really encouraging because uh, you were able to get legitimate looks both schematically and, and personnel wise and situationally um, Kansas threw some press in there and you have a, a no point guard lineup and you're able to still have no problem breaking that type of pressure and getting into your stuff. And um, we saw them really roll with that older group late um, and, and for good reason. That's why you went out and got those guys. Cause um, with experience comes, you know, dependability. And uh, I think that gives a, a sense of comfort for, for Brad Underwood. So it was, it was really cool to see that play out this early because if it wasn't for that game, we probably wouldn't have really known until until probably Marquette. Right. So the transfers, we'll get into their impact, but what is their impact on, as you said, the two cornerstones, Terrence Shannon Jr., Coleman Hawkins? Those two are still the reason you should be good and will lead you as far as you want to go. So how do those transfers complement the two best players on Illinois? I think first and foremost, when you watch Terrence and Coleman, I see I saw two guys in that Kansas game that didn't feel like they needed to put the weight of the world on their shoulder to produce. And last year, it just looked like that from time to time, where if you don't have guys that surround you that have a lot of good feel for the game, then there's not as much trust. And then you feel like, man, I got to kind of do this myself because if I don't, then this this thing isn't going to work itself back to me. And I'll, I'll give you two different instances of that. And Coleman Hawkins dribbles down the right wing for a fast break, doesn't pull up for three, shovels the ball off to his left to Marcus Damask, sets his feet, Marcus Damask flips it right back to him for a better shot, a more high percentage shot, and he's able to make the shot. And the distinction is last year, and I'm using Jaden Epps as an example because he's the first person that comes to my head. Um, if he shoveled that to Jaden Epps or Matthew Meyer, Jaden Epps or Matthew Meyer were shooting. Yeah. Um, right. and, and so there's there's this, and I talked to, to Bardo about this a couple of days ago, and this was even before that exhibition game, but when you have guys that have feel for the game, you're, you're more likely to give up the ball because there's a chance that you might get it back. Or if you cut, you might get the ball, right? Or, you know, so guys, they cut harder and they cut more often. And then for Terrence, I think the way that they're using Terrence, like Terrence made a couple of reads in that Kansas game that I had not seen one time last year. Hmm. And that's the that's how contagious playing with guys that have good feel are. We see all the time with like the Warriors, right? Guys go play for the Warriors and you're like, whoa, I, I didn't know that. I didn't know you had that in your game. Um, but they, they're they doing a lot offensively where they'll, they'll bring Coleman out to kind of the extended elbow or the slot they'll enter it to him and then you see at the top of the key and we'll, we'll break it down in the film there's this two-man game and split screen game between marcus and terrence and there's so much that you can do out of that because the threat of terrence coming off to his left hand dribble handoff gets the attention of both defenders which could possibly free up marcus who's a great shooter and then the fact that marcus is a great shooter 
creates some paranoia to where there's potential for busted switches. We'll show that. And if there's busted switches, now you have Terrence freaking Shannon, who's a potential All-American coming off free. Like how many times was that happening last year where you know, he doesn't have a, a spaced floor or doesn't have guys that are busting switches to where he can um, come off with, with nobody around him? And you just see how all those pieces work together. Yeah. And, and a lot of the transfers that they brought in are low maintenance, um, and we'll, we'll dive into that. But specifically for Coleman and Terrence, uh, it, it should elevate their game, not even just from like a volume standpoint, um, but just from an efficiency standpoint, because I think they'll, they'll be put in better positions to make more efficient plays. So five of the six guys who played 20-plus minutes were seniors. Terrence Shannon, Marcus Domas, Coleman Hawkins, Quincy Garrier, and Justin Harmon. Uh, that is an old team, Mike, and, and Brad Underwood rolled with those guys. Um, and, and, you know, this – this could have been an exhibition where he just tries to get Dre Gibbs Allhorn 10 minutes and 15 minutes to see what he would do. Uh, Dane Danger played nine minutes. Sincere Harris played seven minutes. Nico Moretti and Amani Hansberry, two minutes. What'd you make of that? Well, I think in theory, that sounds great. And I think maybe even at times coaches plan for that. They're like, hey, let's get, you know, let's, let's make this a little more economical and maybe get this guy 15 minutes. And then the lights are on and the ball tips and... <laughs> tensions get higher like you get competitive let's, too let's right? win this game man. like what like let's let's rely on the guys like if we can knock off number one i get it doesn't count but that should serve as some validation and it should serve as some affirmation for hey you know we we got a lot of really good players we have high expectations this year and this is why how important is you, that mike like obviously brad underwood thought it was important to win that game for his team I, we talked about it after the Spain trip when it's like, hey, how much do these games matter? And then you got this exhibition game as well. Habits are habits. Mm -hmm. Like you, and, and I know from being in those locker rooms and being in those types of games, it's it, you can't make that distinction as a player. Like you just like when you're on the floor and you have jerseys on and you're playing, like it's just it's it's go. And and losers are the ones that make that distinction guys that have inconsistent uh toughness or have uh an inconsistent motor those are the ones that make that distinction but guys that always have high motors that always want to win that always play with toughness it doesn't matter if it's exhibition if it's in spain if it's in on a blacktop it doesn't matter like that's just that's who you are that's how you play and I'll, like andres Feliz, right does it ever matter to andres Feliz? where he is, what continent he's on. No, he just he plays hard because that's that's in his DNA. And I thought I saw a lot of guys in that game that that played that way. So, yeah, it does – it matters a lot. And I think that game meant a lot to, to both teams. I mean, they, both teams were playing hard um, yeah. for, for, an ex, for a charity exhibition game, uh, which I thought was really, really awesome to see. Marcus Domas, Quincy Garrier, Justin Harmon, uh, what stood out about each of those guys under the brightest lights we've seen – with them in an Illinois uniform. Yeah, I, I mean, the feel. Um, and I, I hope I don't beat that like a dead horse this um, this season, but... Brad Underwood would love if you do, right? Like, yeah, I, point? It, it just, it's real. And, and the things that it opens up and things that people don't really see. I mean, you got uh, Quincy Garrier uh, getting to the free throw line late in the game. You got a skip pass from from I think Coleman Hawkins um, that led to a Quincy downhill drive for a foul to shoot two free throws. But what I think people didn't see is in that two-man game that I was talking about with Marcus and Terrence, 
Marcus had set a screen for Terrence the previous offensive possession, and Terrence was able to come up and hit a drift pass for Quincy for a three. So this time, Marcus goes, and instead of setting, he slips out of it to the basket, which pulls in Kevin McCuller because he slips out of it. Now you skip it to Quincy. McCuller has a long closeout. Quincy drives it, and that's that's why he gets two free throws. Yes, Quincy, great drive. Yes, great skip pass. But that happened because of Marcus Damask off a cut. And then Justin Harmon. Things break down. Coleman Hawkins is kind of dead to rights. You get a 45 cut from the wing for a layup that, that pretty much put the game on. And how many times and did you have a film room where it's like, somebody cut? cut. Someone, anyone. <laughs> like, we, we talked about it at nauseum last year. So it's it's great to see that. And, look, that's basketball. And, and it makes things hard to scout for, hard to prepare for. Because last year, with with the amount of hand-holding that needed to happen with a team that didn't have a lot of feel, you become so easy to prepare for. Because you're going to run spread, and you're going to run it the entire game for the most part. So what do scout teams do for three days at practice? Spread. Mm-hmm. spread 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 and now you have different variations of what you can do and you have guys that are a little bit can improvise and it's really hard to prepare and scout for him Im- for improvisation yeah. if you will um it reminds me you know the the 2020 dayton number one seed that we didn't get to see um you know it was obi toppin it was jalen crutcher it was rodney chapman it was trey landers it was ryan mikesell put five guys on the floor that have good feel and they're just playing and, and, and how do you prepare for that? What do you scout for when it's guys that are just in the moment, read and react? That's really, that's, that's, that's what makes those, those teams so dangerous offensively. And, and each one of those transfers at one moment, especially in the last five minutes when it was nut cutting time, each of them made at least one play that had a direct impact on the outcome positively of, of a possession. You've heard us talk about Homefield Apparel since the start of the season. There are a lot of collegiate apparel brands out there, but we wanted to partner with Homefield because their designs are the best out there. Some of Illini Enquirer's favorites are the Basketball Ringer Tee, the Rose Tee, and the 1980s Long Sleeve with the Script Illini. It's great. Be sure to check out homefieldapparel.com, filter by Illinois, and see what we're talking about. And our listeners get an exclusive deal using code Illini23. Using that code Illini23 gets you 15% off your first order. We all know you're wearing Illini gear, so if you're in need of a refresh, we really think that you should check out Homefield Apparel, which has the best designs, and these shirts, guys, are really comfortable. Their designs are super unique, and a lot of thought goes into each concept. There's really nothing else on the market like what Homefield is doing. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com and use code Illini23 for 15% off your first order at homefieldapparel.com. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, point guard, understandably, uh, fairly, has been the topic of discussion all offseason. What did we learn about Illinois' point guard situation against Kansas? I mean, the, I guess the downside, if you want to call it that, of a game like that that's that competitive and, and comes down to the wire like that is somewhat showed your hand of, of who you really think your point guard is. Uh, it's Marcus Mask. And, and look, there's going to be – what makes you there's, say that? Mike? There's there's a benefit to having Ty Rogers play on the ball because he's not a floor spacer, and we saw just the 
it's almost like the change of pace between the two. Uh, I'm not sure how sustainable it is to have Ty on the ball for an entire game, but you saw like there's this jolt in the beginning of the game. It's like this controlled chaos with with Ty where he's getting downhill and all of a sudden he's right at the front of the rim and has has great touch. He's been working on that that float game around the rim and those kind of ten feet and in shots and and it it looked great. And then it's just you have this this change up a little bit where hey when things get crazy and when we need to like really have some stability throw it to the reliever because Damask two different two or three times he broke the press he's big I think that's the the, Mm -hmm. I haven't been there in person but I'm watching you've been there I mean like watching in the huddles I'm watching him stand next to Quincy and stand next to like he looks well he looks almost like he's six seven from tip tip off I looked at Piper and I said this team is massive like Ty Rogers is six six Marcus Damask might be a tad taller than him, six six yeah. six seven. Gary yeah. A is six eight. Coleman Hawkins six eleven. Terrence Shannon looks like an NFL tight end uh, yeah. at six six, and how big he is. So, yeah, th- he's he's legit six six at the very least. Yeah, and I think too what what helps Marcus and from the point guard position, if Marcus was like a net negative defensively, then you you would probably feel one he probably wouldn't play as much, so that would probably mean more time for Ty. But because of his size and because he's so smart and his anticipation, he plays angles really well defensively. And then now you get put in situations where he can use his body. He's a strong kid, and he's able to kind of knock guys off their spot, and that's what helps him uh, defensively. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's going to be times where, like I said, you see Ty initiating things offensively, but when you really, really need some stability and you really need someone to set the table, I think they found I think they found something with – with with Marcus um, because with Ty you want him to still pe- play to his strengths and if it's a square peg in a round hole the entire season that's that's part of coaching as well is not only just identifying uh, the potential for a guy to grow into a role but if it's not exactly what you envisioned is there stubbornness that creeps in yeah. and is there a reluctance to go away from maybe what was pitched all off season right there was a lot of you know Ty Rogers point guard propaganda coming out uh, coming coming out from on social media uh you know and if that's not the case then that's fine because you still want ty when ty's in there and ty's playing meaningful minutes to to play to his strengths and his strength is competing defensively um crashing the glass offensively being a great cutter and there's still value in that um so if he's not playing full-time point guard that doesn't mean that ty rogers is sitting on the bench so um it, it just it goes to show you how big of a pickup it was to have Marcus out there. Um, Cause I guess I, and the last quick point that I'll make is, you know, the other one that people may look at is Dre Gibbs Lawhorn. And I think we saw last year with the guy that's a little more wired to score in the, in the beginning of the season, you had Jay Neps as like, come off the bench. Mm-hmm. All you think about is being aggressive and putting pressure downhill and shooting shots when you're open, catch and shoot. I know they really like Dre as a shooter um, and, and just keep things simple. Right. When you started to, to put point guard duties on Jay Neps, that's when it like short circuited yeah. a little bit and things kind of got a little haywire. So you everybody preaches versatility nowadays. He can do this and he can do that, but you still need roles and you still need guys to have a sense of what they need to do every game and not have six or seven different things because we think that's cool now that this guy can do all these different things. So um I think they I think they have stability at that at that position. And I think Damask 
provides that. But I, I like Rodgers as kind of a change of pace in, in different situations. I think we thought this team would be deep. I think that showed itself the other night, even though it was mostly the seniors and Ty Rodgers that were playing. But what do you make of, you know, this is going to be, not everyone's going to be happy every night with their minutes, right? Like Sincere Harris, Dane Danger, under 10 minutes, Luke Goody just at 10 minutes. Obviously, Dre, Nico, and Imani. I mean, you're not going to go 10 deep uh, in the Big Ten. So how do you feel like Brad Underwood's going to use that depth as we get into the season? Obviously, these first couple games, you're, you're going to be able to get in your bench a little bit more. But um, just how do you see that evolving as the season goes along? Yeah, and you and I have talked about this yearly, but you can you can look me in the face and say there's 12 guys that can play. It's going to be eight or nine. Um, and that's just a function of just allocation of minutes. Ter- Terrence, and, Terrence and Coleman are going to play 30-plus minutes. Honestly, Marcus Damask is probably going to play 30-plus minutes. Mm-hmm. So that it, it dwindles down quickly. And the one thing I'll say is, again, it goes back to the, the stubbornness of, of coaching – I, I've been in those locker rooms. I've been on those practice courts. 97% of the time, your initial rotation, you get right. Um, you coaches usually nail that. The real coaching comes into effect when, with the stubbornness that I'm talking about. If a guy struggles, how much do you want to stay with them? How reluctant are you to make a change? Um, who emerges? What opportunity do they get? How soon do they get that opportunity? Is it too soon? Um, that's that's what that's what that job is, and I think that's what makes it fun for a lot of coaches. We know that those five that we talked about that closed that game, those guys are going to get a lot of minutes. Now you got Luke Goody, you got Ty Rogers, and then Dane. Look, Coleman's going to play the five this year. Yes, I think they're pretty pot committed to that. Um, and if he's playing 30 minutes a game and the majority of that's at the five, you do the math. There's not a ton of minutes at the backup five. So when you talk about guys um, discontent or getting upset, uh, that's that falls back on what culture you feel like you've created again. Is Can you truly get guys to buy in and believe that this is bigger than themselves? Uh and and for for Dane, I, I'm I'm looking at him where if Coleman plays 30 minutes of the five, and you're playing 10 to 12 minutes, Dane, you you got to figure it out, and you got to stay consistent and make a lot out of the minutes that you have because this isn't and this is no disrespect to Brandon Lieb because um, I actually think he was serviceable in, the, in some of the minutes that he came in last year. Right. This is a Monty Hansberry that that you now have fighting every day for minutes. Um, so that backup five, I think it's going to get really interesting. And then we'll see how, you know, we, we talked about the point guard side of things. Um, and then I'm really interested to see with Sincere. Uh, this is very reminiscent of what we talked about with RJ Melendez last year. Two years ago, what RJ Melendez brought to the table was length and versatility. And then they went out and got length and versatility. Yep. And RJ didn't stick out as much. And now for Sincere, he stuck out last year. Because, shoot, a lot of times he looked like the only guy that wanted to play hard constantly. And that's your ticket onto the floor. That's 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 how you get the trust of, of your staff. Now you got Harmon, Damask. He's got – they play hard pretty consistently. So now you got to be even better at those, those marginal things. Where I look at Sincere, it's like – I think I tweeted it during the game. He had, he had a rip drive – didn't for one second think about catching and shooting it. It was a skip pass from the 
from under the basket out to Sincere, and it was head full of steam on the catch go downhill. I mean, you are lightning fast, dude. Like, put pressure on the rim. Put, put pressure on the defense because the stubbornness that I think he shows sometimes is like, you think I can't shoot? Yeah. I'll keep showing. I, I, I can shoot. And at some point, you have to play to your strengths. Ty Rogers does a really good job of that. Right, Ty Rogers could also do the same thing. Ah, like you don't think mm-hmm. you think I'm a bad free throw shooter. You think I watch this? I'm, I'm watch me rip this pull up right wing three. Um, and it's it's just it's bad for the team because you have guys that can do that. So if you just can play to your strengths and be efficient, you give yourself more of an opportunity to play. So each one of those guys, I think, has like a little storyline attached to it, and I, I'm really interested to see how it plays out. So we've had two exhibitions now to watch this team. We had the one game over in Europe where Damask wasn't playing, but has this changed any of your thoughts about this team, Mike, uh, of what their strengths are, what their concerns could be, anything like that? Um, no, I think it kind of reaffirmed some things. Uh, like I said, I don't want to, I don't want to like cut down nets in October. Yeah. I, I just feel better about having them as like a top five team in the big 10 after what yeah, I see. Oh, hundred percent. They're absolutely a, a top five team in the big 10. I think, you know, when you look at Purdue and, and Michigan state, and I have my thoughts about Michigan State, mm-hmm. but um, I think it was initially viewed as like, hey, Purdue, Michigan State, large drop off, everyone else. Uh, my Just my personal opinion, I think Purdue, Michigan State, I think Illinois is is closer to that group than than people think. And honestly, I think Maryland's closer to that group than, I got Maryland than people in there think. Too, yeah. uh, I, I just think Maryland's going to win more than one road game this year. And they already have, they have arguably one of the best home court advantages in the conference uh, in College Park. So, um, yeah, as uh, on a very macro level, I, I think they're, they're absolutely, they can absolutely compete for a Big Ten title. I, I really believe that. And, and what I don't believe in is they're a Sweet 16 team or they're a Final Four team because that's – you're talking about a couple weeks in March and it's all matchup dependent and there's some luck involved. It's, it's really hard to be a prognosticator on that type of stuff. But if they stay healthy, if guys throughout the season can continue to pull in the same direction, because there's going to be some, some guys that have a, you know, have a long, hard look in the mirror of mm-hmm. what type of teammate they want to be. Cause they're not going to get the minutes that they want. Um, so what's your leadership look like? And, and, and how can you, can you write the ship with that? Cause I just, I, you know, I've, like I said, been in those locker rooms. It happens. Mm-hmm. Um, it happened for me. Uh, I, I I was right on the cusp rotation every day thinking I deserved it. And then, and then eventually my junior year, I'm like, you know what, what can I do? Here are the three things. And after every practice, was I a good teammate? Was I coachable? Did I play hard? That's it. So three things you can control. The rest of that's not, not in your control at all. So the more I think guys can adopt that mindset is going to determine the traje- trajectory of this team. Is there anything – it's so early in the year, usually Underwood keeps things pretty bland offensively at this point. I'm sure they're working on that now. But was there anything schematically that, that you saw from Brad Underwood that intrigued you? Yeah, less – I mean, less spread um, or less relying on spread. And, you know, they had some of those actions last year that would start with – you know, they ran it a ton for Matthew Meyer. They ran it a ton for Terrence Shannon. They did it a few times when Dane was in the game against Kansas where – you know, you almost have like a, a triangle in the middle of the floor. You enter it, and then, you know, you get a rub, rub screen. Dane comes up for like a little ball screen, and then you play with the back action, you know, shake action on the on the backside. 
but I love what they're doing with these split screens because uh, that's that when you have more shooting and you have guys that are more of a threat on the perimeter uh, and guys that are really good. Marcus Damascus is a really smart screener, uh, understanding when to slip out and when to set and keeping the the defense on their toes. Those those split screens I think are going to be really helpful because you know, as you'll see, you know what they usually do they'll, they'll bring it up on the right side of the floor and then they'll go into a dribble handoff and then dribble handoff swings over to kind of top of the key. And then you can either have a step up reverse ball screen with Coleman. You can enter it to Coleman and go and chase it kind of a little like get action, or, you know, you can, he can hold on to the ball and then rotate it. There's a lot that you can do out of it. Or like I said, you can enter it to Coleman, go right into a split screen at the top of the key. There's just, you're changing the geometry of the floor and you're changing the way that the, the defense has to react because you have shooters, like you have guys that, that space. So now your cuts can can pull guys in more because they're not already in help position because you have non-shooters everywhere. Um, so those those little things I think were helpful because the other thing that you can do is with Ty, with Marcus, with Terrence, if I'm bringing the ball up on the right side and I got a guy guarding me, like let's say it's Marcus Damask and he has Dewan Harris guarding me, and you want to initiate the offense with a dribble handoff to the right, they'll do what Sam Greasel did last year fake the dribble handoff right into a back down. And now you, again, change the geometry of the floor to where when you're backing up and you can look almost like a post player, now you got the split screen actions from the wing and the slot. And there's so much you can do out of that. Mm-hmm. It's Goody screening for screening for Damask. It's Shannon screening for Damask. It's Damask screening for Shannon. And, and you just, you allow the guy to operate in the post and back guys down and potentially get a bucket because they're so worried about the two guys that are on the ball side because they're both threats, um, that's that's smart. That's smart basketball. And we've seen a lot of teams have success with that over the years. So I'm, I'm really interested to see that evolve. If you if you haven't noticed, I'm, it was something that I enjoyed yeah. watching in, in real time. They showed a little bit in Spain, but watching that take place in, in the Kansas game and then breaking it down in, in film was – was really cool to see. Well, let me ask you, you mentioned Purdue, Michigan State. They had exhibitions too. Uh, I'm yeah. sure you got to look at those. What would you make of those two teams? Because obviously Illinois will be competing with those teams atop the Big Ten. Yeah, I, I you know, Purdue is – they're going to be right up there. They have the best guardrail in in college basketball. Um, but, I, you know, I've, I've, I've said it since the offseason. When Purdue – in wins last year, Purdue um, – Zach Eady was – averaging 22 and 13 and losses he was averaging 22 and 13 <laughs> so Braden Smith Fletcher Lawyer what type of jumps are you getting from those two that uh, to me that's just going to determine their ceiling uh, I think Braden Smith has almost become underrated with sure. his ability as a point guard and as, as a facilitator and you know it's not just hey they're throwing it into the big guy and he's getting some four or five assists on on you know, early post-ups and stuff. They, they run a lot of really good actions. Matt Painter does that. And then with Michigan State, there's a lot that, you know, I, I just think that the loss of Joey Hauser is yeah a lot bigger than people realize. I mean, he was that, so that, good last year. That's That was, ar- like, in my opinion, that was arguably your most important player because he was your leading rebounder. He shot 45% from three. Mm-hmm. You're a middle ball screen, heavy ball screen team. And when you don't have a 45% three-point shooter, you better have shooting there this year or else teams are going to pack the paint. And if you pack the paint, there's less room for Sissoko to dive to the rim. There's less room for Tyson or, or for Tyson Walker and A.J. Hoggard to come off and operate in, in, in not as tight quarters. 
Um, so Jaden Akins, are you going to shoot it well again this year? He shot 42% last year. Um, you know, some of these other guys that they have, you know, Xavier Booker, Fears, like are, are these guys, Malik Hall, are they going to shoot high percentages and at least space the floor? Because, uh, again, what people forget about Michigan State is we get so wrapped up in, ah, Sweet 16 team, coming back, bringing everyone back. Um, you lose a really important piece in Hauser, but also, I mean, including the Sweet 16 run last year, they finished 9-9. Nine and nine. Like this, they didn't just, they didn't have this torrid stretch to finish the season. So look, I I said the same thing about Indiana last year. Everybody was like, hey, Big Ten runs through Bloomington because we know some of these guys. And then, you know, I I said it preseason. I was like, a nine and 11 team? And now, because now what you're doing is you're relying on the non-familiar faces, which are freshmen. And Huchifino was pretty damn good. Right. Huchifino was, was, you know, TJD had a first-team All-American type season, but Huchifino was the one that that raised their ceiling because Trace Jackson Davis played very similarly to how he played in previous seasons. He took it up a little bit, but Renew was serviceable as, as a backup big, and, and Huchifino provided – I mean, Xavier, Xavier Johnson went down in, in the Kansas game, and it was like, oh, no, we're good. We got this guy who's a first-round pick in the NBA draft. So is that what is that how we view Fears and, and Booker and Cohen Carr and, and those guys? I don't know. Like, are they going to have that type of impact to really elevate this team? Because this is a team that's dead last, and Isaac Trotter talks about it all the time, a team with dead last and, and field goals around the rim last year. Mm-hmm. And I get they work they probably work the mid-range better than any team in, in the Big Ten, but shoot, you better you better shoot it well again yeah. this year if you're if you're Michigan State. because um, your margin for error gets a lot smaller if you don't. And talk about a team where not everyone's going to be happy with their minutes. Uh, that that team, no. there's going to be some guys that are unhappy about their minutes, especially some young guys on that team. Anything else, Mike, you want to hit on? Any Illinois thoughts going into Eastern Illinois? What do you want to see? Uh, what are you looking for? What should fans look for going into these you know, games right before uh, you go with a huge test against Marquette in, what, two weeks from now? Yeah, I mean, I, I really like the, the non-conference schedule because I think you have a mix of – really good tests both at the high major level and at the at the mid-major level you have, I mean Marquette is you know that's a top five team in the country they have arguably the best point guard in the country so we'll go into the film a little bit um, they didn't pitch a perfect game against Kansas by any means uh, busted switches miscommunications so in a way that's encouraging because there's still a lot of room to grow and then even even as you go into December um, you have a couple teams that, that come in, Colgate being one of them, where that's a team that doesn't beat themselves. They shoot it really well. You know, they they make you – force you to play disciplined, and that's just something that team did not do last year in, in Illinois. So how consistent can you be um, as you're still trying to find your identity? I think the Kansas game was a great first step, but, shoot, we got a long ways to go, man. Got a lot of good games coming up in uh, November and December. Michael Tube. It's good to catch up, man, and uh, we'll do this every week from here on out. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate you. This episode of the Illini Inquirer podcast is presented by Underdog Sports. We see a lot of you are downloading Underdog Sports, using the promo code, and having fun, which we love to see. If you haven't already checked out Underdog Sports, be sure to do so. It's super easy to use. You go on the app, go pick whether favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total than what is listed. For example, Travis Kelsey, he's very popular these days. If his number is set at 50 receiving yards, and you know Taylor Swift is in the house, you may feel confident he's going to go way higher than the number. Do that with 2-5 to 
five different players and you're in business. If you go five for five, you can 20X your money. So sign up today with promo code Illini and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with promo code Illini to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. There are a lot of fantasy companies out there, but we decided to partner with Underdog because it's the easiest place to play fantasy sports. It's also the fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. You must be 18 or older and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call one 800-522-4700 or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Thanks as always to Michael Tulip. He is the goods. Looking forward to a full season of basketball chatter with him. Brett Bielma just met with the uh, local media. Joey Wagner was there. Uh, Some injury updates for Illinois football going into uh, Minnesota this weekend where they are just two-point underdogs. I I think Illinois at three and five being on the road as a two-point underdog and a Minnesota team that is atop the Big Ten standings, I think that tells you they think it's basically the same teams. Like They think these teams are even. Uh, but uh, obviously Johnny Newton is out for a half, and Illinois still just two-point underdogs there. But uh, Keith Randolph has been practicing this week. Reggie Love has been practicing this week. And it sure sounds like Gabe Ackes is going to play defensive line again. Uh, so you get Ackes, you get Randolph on the defensive line. If you're outside linebacker, so you feel like you're deeper there with Alec Bryant, Seth Coleman, Ezekiel Holmes back. Uh, if they can hold up and give you a chance going into the second half, and, and the offense, obviously, you know you got a better playmaker at quarterback in Luke Altmeyer compared to Ethan Kaliak Manis, who is talented but has been really inconsistent in his first year as a starter. Luke Altmeyer at times has been, but we released our preview and picks. A lot of us picked really close games. Three of us picked Illinois to lose. Two of us picked Illinois to win. And if they play like they played the last two weeks. Because seven of the eight quarters were really good against Maryland. And while you might not think that win holds up after what happened with Northwestern last week, that was still a good win for Illinois. On the road, controlled that game for most of the game to be able to win on the last drive. That was a really good performance by Illinois. The first three quarters against Wisconsin were great. Wisconsin's better than Minnesota. They are. And I know they had Braden Locke in the game. I think Braden Locke's better than Ethan Kaliak manis But I, I just think overall... Wisconsin's a better team. Obviously, those two teams, Minnesota and Wisconsin, will play here uh, very shortly. But I, I just feel like if Illinois plays like it did though, most of the last two weeks, they can win, and maybe they should win. Of course, a lot of things happen in toss-up games. Minnesota is more consistent than Illinois. They ugly things up, and they do it well. They run the football well. Uh, they control the ball really well. Uh, they get turnovers. They get takeaways uh, on defense. Illinois secondary needs to do more of that. But uh, – it's going to be a really interesting game with all the dynamics going into this, and these are two teams that have very similar expectations going into the year. Minnesota picked third. Illinois picked fourth in the Big Ten West. Minnesota over-under of seven before the season. Illinois six and a half. One of them's lived up to the expectations. Uh, and Minnesota with two big wins in a row at Iowa. Uh, I know what happened at the end of that game, but 
they deserved a chance to win that game. And then Michigan State, not a good team, but they took care of business, 27-12 to with a fifth-string running back, a walk-on running back, and Jordan Newbin running for 200 yards. I think that says a lot about their offensive line and just their identity there. So this isn't going to be easy. Uh, it's going to be a toss-up game, and I, I feel – you know, we kind of had toss-up predictions in our preview and picks. So you can check that out, our keys of the game, at IlliniInquire.com. Joy Wagner and I heading up to Minneapolis on Friday. We will talk to you guys then. But everybody have a great day. Enjoy the football game. Uh, we'll talk more hoops next week after the Eastern Illinois opener uh, for Illinois, taking on Eastern Illinois on Monday night. And, of course, we'll get more football after uh, the Minnesota game as well. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Inquire podcast. Bye, everybody.